You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hi there, it's me, Laura Wasser, the divorce attorney and the founder of It's Over Easy, the online divorce service. I've been practicing family law for over 20 years, and I've worked on thousands of divorces, shepherding people through what may be one of the most terrifying times in their lives. Along the way, I often have to remind people to lower their expectations. When dealing with matters of the heart, rules simply don't apply, because all's fair in love and war. So welcome to the All's Fair podcast. Fasten your seatbelts and let's go. Hi there, everyone. I'm Laura Wasser. I'm Johnny Rains, and this is the It's Over Easy podcast, All's Fair. Though my day job is practicing family law and managing my family law firm, since we launched It's Over Easy, the online divorce service, and we started podcasting, one of the things I'm most satisfied with is being able to educate people about their relationships. Family law provides the opportunity to learn so much about so many, and because of the nature of the attorney-client relationship in family law, we're given a window into the psyche and soul of my clients, which is more intimate and more informative than one might immediately imagine. It starts with the surface. What is this person's story? What do they do for a living? What's their sexual orientation, their proclivities, their race, their religion, their culture, their child-rearing beliefs? Well, at that Share the Mic Now event you and divorce attorney Kimberly A. Cook did on Instagram last week, you spoke about diversity in family law. You both mentioned that these tactics help to make stronger connections with your clients, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, Kimberly is awesome. She asked me to do that Share the Mic, which was a really cool exercise. Again, keeping these conversations going. By the way, Kimberly at Grown Girl Divorce on Insta. She's a partner at Schiller, Ducanto, and Fleck LLP in Chicago. She's an amazing family law attorney in Illinois, and I highly recommend her. I want to give her a shout out. Hey, grown girl divorce. I've had clients who are entertainers, athletes, executives, academics, homemakers, writers, directors, financial professionals, healthcare providers, and plenty of others. And I make a point to learn what they do and what they believe so I can understand what motivates them and where they're coming from. Oh, if only there were more lawyers. (laughs) At least ones with yours and Kimberly's thirst for understanding what a world this would be. But change does seem to be in the air. 
In the news almost every day this week, there are stories about regular people trying to put themselves in other people's shoes. According to a Pew Research study done June 4th through the 10th, Americans are talking to family and friends about race and racial equality. 69% of those surveyed, including majorities across racial and ethnic groups, say they have done so in the last month. And 37% of those who use social networking sites say they have posted or shared content related to ethnicity or ethnic equality on these sites during this period. For example, in case some of you might not be on TikTok, this was shared on May 31st by an interracial couple, dancers Allison Holker and Steven Twitch Boss. In the video, the couple take the Check Your Privilege Challenge while their four-year-old son sits on Twitch's lap. Laura and I are going to check our privilege and play along with each of our very own 10 fingers. I think you're going to win this one, Laura. Check Your Privilege Edition. Put a finger down if you have been called a racial slur. Put a finger down if you've been followed in a store unnecessarily. Put a finger down if someone has crossed the street to avoid passing you. Put a finger down if you've had someone clinch their purse in an elevator with you. Put a finger down if you've had someone step off of an elevator to keep from riding with you. Put a finger down if you've been accused of not being able to afford something expensive. Put a finger down if you have had fear in your heart when being stopped by the police. Put a finger down if you have never been given a pass on a citation that you deserved. Put a finger down if you have been stopped or detained by police for no valid reason. Put a finger down if you have been bullied solely because of your race. Put a finger down if you have been denied service solely because of the color of your skin. Put a finger down if you've ever had to teach your child how not to get killed by the police. Any fingers left? That's privilege. I saw it originally, I think, because uh, Twitch and Allison are on Ellen, and so I think I saw it on her Instagram feed. So I saw it on May 31st when it first came out, and it really is when you see the two of them and they're sitting there, once you get right. over the length of her nails, you realize that it really is like it's crazy. And and they're married. They sleep together every night. Like it, the differences in their experiences really is compelling and provocative. And that's what this whole, it makes you think it's making us talk about it. I think it's important. In America right now on HuffPost, Brittany Wong, who I know I've worked with before, she's the senior lifestyle reporter, wrote a story about the Twitch and Allison uh, white privilege uh, TikTok. Interracial couples share their experiences trying to educate and inform white peers about the black experience in America, including what's being called white debt, the idea that the American economy as we know it was built on slavery. As the New York Times stunning 1619 podcast broke down last year, black bodies were actually used as full or partial collateral for land by slave owners. Well, speaking Jesus. of interracial couples and some good news, um, Loving Day just passed. So yes. happy belated Loving Day, which is the day that's dedicated to the uh, couple, the married couple responsible for the landmark civil rights decision of the U.S. Supreme Court um, in 1964. Um, Seven. To 1967. No, you'd think I'd know that. That's the year I was born. Um, but... <laughs> But yes, they are, they're the couple behind the landmark civil rights decision um, that it enabled uh, any couple of any race to marry without it being illegal. And now June 12th is known as Loving Day, which is just so appropriate because their names, if you haven't seen it, 2016, there was a, the movie called Loving, which starred Ruth Nega and Joel Edgerton. And it was so good. I mean, it really, yes. it breaks it down. It's entertaining. I don't even think I was aware of that 
I mean, obviously, I was aware of the fact that in 1967 this had happened, that interracial marriages became legal. But their story and just like I said, the fact that their name was The Lovings is amazing. Right. It's actually streaming this month on HBO, so people oh. check it out. In our conversation last week with Jody Patterson, we spoke about the All Black Lives Matter movement, which includes trans boys and girls and how to raise children to be activists. And I, the thing that just really st stayed with me from our Jody episode was how she has a formula of dose and environment and how talking to kids in a safe environment with small doses of what they may be able to expect going forward kind of gives them the immunity. Like if you were going to give somebody a flu shot, you give them a little bit of the flu. So when you're at a family dinner, when you're at a safe place, a picnic, um, you know, sitting with the family and speaking about something, bring some of these things up, introduce them into the conversation so they get this dose in this environment and they can kind of process, ask questions, think about it. Then in whenever, weeks, months, years, something actually happens that would be the event of which you're speaking or of which is, is the topic of the conversation, they've had that little bit. They've had that little flu shot. That I can't stop thinking about. I've incorporated that into the conversations at mealtime with, with my kids. And Johnny and I intend to keep this conversation going because these relationships are as fascinating, if not more fascinating, than some of the things we generally speak about on All's Fair, breakups and makeups and stuff like this. Um, it's resonating currently, and today we're going to speak about the relationship between the police and black men, specifically about the systemic racism that remains in our criminal justice system and the continued use of fatal force that seldom results in repercussions for the officers involved. Joining us to share her judgments on the topic is someone many of you know from her 13 years on the bench of the most famous syndicated court in the country, the one on TV. She's been nominated for an Emmy for her work on television, and she's beloved by millions. She's also a Harvard graduate who got her law degree at the University of Pennsylvania Law School. At the age of 33, she was elected judge of the Cleveland Heights Municipal Court, where she served for eight years prior to captivating America on the venerable courtroom show Divorce Court. She's the author of three books and the mother of two sons and four stepsons. Welcome to All's Fair, Judge Lynn Toler. Hi, Judge Lynn. Woo -woo. Hi, how are you, Laura? I'm very well. Thank you for joining us. This is so topical, and I'm so thrilled to have you here. Let's just speak for a moment about you personally. In my world, and I guess yours too to a certain extent because of divorce court, being married for 33 years is quite an accomplishment. Yes? Yes, it is. And nobody's gotten <laughs> shot or anything. I mean, it's, it, it's, 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 it's always a ride. It's never easy, but uh, it's worth the effort. Yeah, people say it's the hardest job you'll ever do. I thought that was parenthood, but again, I, I've never been married more than a, a, a minute in 1993, no. so. Parenthood is clearly the hardest job you will ever do. <laughs> Sometimes parenthood helps you stay in love with your partner because it's you against them. Right, so, totally, <laughs> so, yes. So you got a, you in the army, so. So you, you and Eric, you got married in um, 1989, and you guys have two sons together, but four stepsons that he had before, uh, you have four stepsons, so there's six boys all together. Correct, correct. Ooh, Ages, ooh, the oldest okay. is 50. Okay. And the baby just turned 25. Okay, 
So let's talk a little bit. Well, first, let's talk a little bit about, more about you. So in 2002, you got the Humanitarian of the Year Award by the Cleveland Domestic Violence Center. We do a lot of discussion on the show and in my work with domestic violence. So that really puts shit in perspective, I right. think. I mean, it okay. does indeed. And then in 2009, you were given the Voice of Freedom Award, where you were honored to join the ranks of previous recipients like Vice President Al Gore and Colin Powell. Now, you went to become the host of Divorce Court in 2006, and then you did a lot of other projects during that time. Decision House, you did contributions to NPR, you are co-executive producer of Wedlock or Deadlock, and you've done a ton of stuff with Bloom 365. Tell us about that. Bloom 365 is an organization designed to help eliminate domestic violence, not by responding to it, but trying to prevent it before it occurs by going into schools, with junior high schools and high schools, to teach kids, women and men, boys and girls, about healthy relationships, what it is to have a healthy relationship so potential victims don't become victimizers, and deeper still, so potential perpetrators don't become perpetrators. Because that's a learned behavior and a response to things that we don't often recognize. You can't just react. You right. have to be proactive. Okay. So again, Johnny and I speak a lot about domestic violence on the show. We've seen a rise in it in Los Angeles Superior Courts. It's the only thing that we're open for right now is the DV right. stuff. And I know that there's been, it's a, it's a balance because some people simply are not calling in because they can't leave the house. Right. But stuck together, obviously those people that have that learned behavior, they're beating up on each other or they're one's beating up on the other one. One thing we have not spoken about very much on this show is racial violence, particularly the use of fatal force by police against black men. And in the case that we saw with Breonna Taylor, women as well. The most recent murder of a black man by police officer to come to light, the murder in Atlanta of Rayshard Brooks. What's going on? Let's watch this video. To the US now, an explosive body cam vision of an arrest and subsequent police shooting which killed a black man in Atlanta has now been released. Correspondent Amelia Adams has more from Los Angeles. And Amelia, what does the video show? Well, it shows, Ali, what began as a pretty amicable, friendly encounter between the two Atlanta police officers and 27-year-old Rashad Brooks. We know that he'd fallen asleep, they say, in uh, in his car at this drive through They pulled him out and they had quite a long chat with him. It was, as I say, quite friendly. They breathalyzed him. He failed that. Then when they went to handcuff him, the mood changed. But this new video really gives some context as to how it all unfolded. Take a look. Blah, 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 blah. Stop. Very good. I just had a, a few drinks, that's it. How many? One and a half. Like I said, I was into the second cup. I wasn't even... I told her, babe, let's go, because I'm hungry. I what need what kind eat. of drinks did you have? Uh, I'm not sure. It's something she ordered. She said top shelf or whatever. Take me home. I'm ready to go. So you had about one and a half drinks, but you don't remember what kind of drinks they were? No, sir. All right. I really don't, Mr. Roth. All right. I think you've had too much to drink to be driving. So put your hands behind your back for me. So it was at that point that you can see they try to arrest Rashad Brooks. He struggles. He then does grab one of the officer's tasers, points it towards him while running away, and an officer opens fire. That officer has been sacked. The Atlanta police chief has resigned, but that has not done anything to appease protesters. They returned to the scene that Wendy's drive through overnight. They set it on fire. Uh, they blocked a major freeway. This interaction will certainly, Ali, um, be used in any court proceedings. And just in some breaking news, I've just seen this. The DA in this case uh, is saying that there are three charges that are relevant 
and under consideration. This is, of course, for the officer who opened fire on Rashad Brooks. Murder, felony murder or voluntary manslaughter. So you can see how this incident is absolutely mm. going to spur on this whole uh, racial uprising that we're seeing. And today is the 20th day. There are protests right across the nation again. Yeah, sure is. Thanks, Amelia. My first question is, why do all of these women have Australian accents, Johnny? <laughs> 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 that's your first question this, i don't understand is this it's american news yeah. i don't where did we get that clip from who are facebook. those women those women care about this issue and okay. they were on facebook yes okay so in the midst of all this i mean he, I, i've been watching and i've been listening and and you're a judicial officer so you tell me what do we say to the police officers or the police administrators who say Adrenaline is rushing. He got something pointed at him. He didn't know what to do. It was in the moment. What do we say to those guys? Don't they have to train better? Don't they have to be programmed better so that this shit doesn't happen? Absolutely. And what police departments don't do is pay a lot of attention to the emotional intelligence officers have to have. You give a 24-year-old dude a gun and you send him out there without understanding his own... Uh, uh, testosterone, his own issues, his own own upset. You know, Chelsea Sullenberger landed a plane in the Hudson and he never raised his voice. He never got excited. If you pay attention to cockpit recordings, I, 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 I listen to those things. And before every crash where everybody dies, the uh, pilots never raise their voice because they are trained to be calm. So don't tell me you can't do it. It's simply something that we haven't chosen to do with respect to these officers about controlling how they feel in the circumstance in which they are presented. And that's what we have to do. And we can't say that it's not doable. We haven't even made that attempt. Right. So that is one of the first things we have to do. The second thing we have to do is really understand the nature of bias. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Most biased people don't think that they are. I sat in front of a room full of judges. There was like a hundred of us. And I gave a speech. And the first thing I said was, all of you are racially prejudiced. Talk about, you know, I'm not and I do I'm the law. I'm a judge and, and I'm a judge. Scales blah, blah, of justice. Blah, blah, blah. Yes. And to the extent <laughs> that you believe that, the more that you believe that you're not biased, the more biased you're likely to be. Likely to be. I am biased. You are biased. But the fact that I acknowledge my biases allows me to act on it less often. And there are biological reasons for our biases. You know, our brain takes in information. There's a lot of information to take in. And one of the things our brain does is generalize. Is it a threat or not a threat? That's the first question your amygdala asks you. And biologically, people who look less likely you are are seen as a threat more often. Friend or foe, tribe or not. You have to teach that to people because it's not like I'm going to go out and shoot a black guy here today. It's I'm going out here and I'm assessing a situation and the color of his skin promotes or inspires an emotional response that makes it just that much easier to pull the trigger because you associate him with criminality. Absolutely. And so when people speak about defunding the police, what does that mean? Because it seems to me that the fund should be focused on retraining police for this exact kind of ability so that yeah. they could land the plane, so to speak. Absolutely. I don't know what's up with the defunding the, the police thing, and I'm not quite sure what it means. I've looked it up sometimes mm. and, you know, that the structure of the system is wrong, of, of the police system is wrong. And I think the structure of the police system is wrong, but I don't think that defunding them is the problem. I think, you know, protecting to serve, you got the Bobbies in, in, in England, it has become more of a zero-sum situation, police against the public, as opposed to police assisting the public. And then they make an assessment what you're there, who that person is that you're dealing with. And I think that defunding isn't the issue. The, the, the issue is moving everything to the front, everything into training, everything into understanding, so that... Because I'm telling you, if I'm home alone and somebody breaks in, I don't want the police defunded. But what I don't want is the police to come in, see my husband there, and shoot him before he finds out he belongs there. Absolutely. That has to be instructional. So let's talk about that. You posted on Instagram the other day something about perspective. Why is perspective so important in the discussion about white privilege and the All Black Lives Matter movement? Uh, perspective is important. I'll go back to that meeting I had with the judges. Uh -huh. and, and, and what I told, when they got angry, which they did, uh, what I told them was, when I see a black guy, I see all six of my sons, my husband, my daddy, everybody that I grew up with. So there's assessment, there's a determination has to be made, irrespective of the skin color about who he is. So when I see a guy for the first time in court, I don't see, uh-oh, this is the first of many. I see there, but for the grace of God, goes somebody that I love. 
Now, when judges, and most of them were white um, in, in Cleveland, you know, you got 40 common pleas court judges. Most of the defendants are black. 38 of the judges are white. They don't go home and hang out with black people. They go home and hang with white people. So their understanding and their, and, and their association with black people is all as a function of their job. Consequently, they see black people as criminals. If you do that, the same thing happens on the police force. The same thing happens on the police force. So you have to be able to make sure they understand that the community that they're in, hopefully pull police out of the community that you're in to allow them to police that community because there's an understanding there. And if you cannot do that, you have to make especially sure that the officers that you do put in there learn to understand the cultural aspects of the community that you deal with. Absolutely. And how, I mean, look, we all need to be, I'm going to call it deprogrammed, but I don't know that that's the right thing to call it. But I do, I agree that these conversations we are having in these weeks, I remember, I know so many women, white and black, but probably more white, in my book club, in the parents of my, my kids' friends at school, who would say things. I probably said it too, like, I'm colorblind. My kids are colorblind. No, we're not. No. No, we're not. No. We can't help but look at people, like you said, who look like us differently from people who don't look like us, that our brains make these judgments and we have to kind of deprogram ourselves having these conversations. And like you said, which I hope the judges that you were speaking mm -hmm. to did, owning the fact that no, we can't whitewash this. Right. We got to look at it. We got to discuss it. We got to bring it to the surface. In this Sunday's Los Angeles Times, Anita Charbria, God, I'm butchering these names, and Emerelda Bermudez interviewed some of the families who've lost a loved one to police violence, including families of Michael McIntyre, Oscar Grant III, Ryan Twyman, Christopher Murphy, Anthony Vargas. In the article, the journalist deduced that there are two truths most of these families agree on. One, the pain never goes away. And two, every new fatal encounter with law enforcement makes it raw again. So we have to say their names, even if we don't always say them the right way. Right. And we have to keep talking about this because until we do, it doesn't change. You and I both know, being practitioners of law, the law may be the last thing to change. We have to change our mindset. Right. So let's talk about as a parent, how do you talk to your sons that are the sons that look a certain way that if I sat next to them on the bus, I might move my purse because they don't look like my sons or ladies cross the street when they're walking down an alley or police or judges see that's a criminal. How, what do you tell them as a black mother? I got to explain a little bit about my background before I answer that question. Please. I was born in 1959. My father was born you in- You good. <laughs> Thank you. My father Black was born- Black don't crack, as they say. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> my father was born in 1919, and my mother was born in 1930. My instruction about dealing with the police came from them. Their comment to me was, and I learned this from, you know, Back in the day, I remember Dr. Allen and Dr. Preston, both of them got pulled out of their cars and beat up because the police didn't like the fact that they were driving nice cars. That was it. That was all. And there was nothing really we could do about it. So my upbringing is you're nice, you're polite, and you're compliant. And you, and, and you deal with whatever repercussions or problems afterwards. What I have told my children is this. 
You have one obligation in that circumstance, and that obligation is to me. And the obligation to me that you have is to return to me upright and ambulatory. Whatever you have to do in order to get there, that's what you do. I've got one son. You know, there's always one. Uh Uh-huh. What can I refuse to do? What can I say? What are my rights? I said, you have no rights. Your obligation is to to me. me. Your obligation is to me. Now you get home. I'll take care of it. I had a son that had a situation with with a police officer. Somebody, a white person broke into his apartment. He ran out. And the white chick, and she... Uh, he called the police. This chick was stalking him, had, had, had attacked him the week before. Uh, they knew it. She was taken away, wasn't charged. She broke in. He runs out in his underwear with a phone. The police come. She fights the police. They clink her up in his apartment, and then she starts to cry. So then they come out to my son and said, she's looking for her Fitbit. And we're going to search your apartment. And if we find anything of hers in your apartment, we're putting you in jail for theft. He calls me because he has his phone and he tells me what to do. And he goes, blah, 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 blah. And I said, repeat after me. No, mom, they do not care that you're a judge. So he repeated (laughs) after me. No, mom, they do not care. Judge. I took the phone. We resolved the situation. But I told him under no under no circumstance, I'm let him in. Right. Uh, but everybody doesn't have a mother for a judge. But I tell but I like my, I think I would tell my sons to do the same thing, even though I'm not a judge. No, right. mom. They don't care. You're a judge. You can't Ask right, right. Live. Just get home. <laughs> Just get home. And, and, and I said, whatever wrongs they commit, they're mine to resolve and not theirs. I, I don't know if that it's not a popular opinion because you should have rights out there. But I, I, I don't want to put on a headstone. He was right. Right. This is a very good point. I think you're talking about the generational component of this conversation. And, you know, Laura and I are the same age, so I have a slightly different but sure. very similar philosophy that I was brought up with about compliance and being polite, et cetera. Today, you, I mean, although we in the video with Rashard Brooks, he was awfully polite and very nice. But very. I think in... In some situations, there is this um, completely different attitude when confronted by these 24-year-old testosterone-driven white police officers. And that also contributes to the problem. Yeah. And, 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 and please, don't get me wrong. If you have a spicy retort to a, a, a police officer that's done you wrong, that is not a license to execute you. At no point in time. And sometimes you can't always do that. But if I train my kids early on, even in the excitement of the situation, which I think in God's honest truth, we don't do well as a human race to to teach people how to feel and how to control how they feel. Uh, I mean, everybody, everybody. But, you know, the fact that you're acting out of out of character when you're drunk. You act out of character. And uh, you ought to and and you ought to be able to act out of character and not die for it. Absolutely. And so I'm not saying that the the people who do that are wrong. I'm just saying my kids, one, two, three, four, five and six got to make it home. Right. Get home. We'll take care of it later. Right. And again, that should be, I think, the case for everybody. And what worries me, there's an amazing article in 
I believe it was yesterday's New York Times by Carvel Wallace. And he says, trying to protect my black teenagers through protests and pandemic. This is the world I let be created. They know this. They blame me for it. They are right. Also, would you like dinner? And what movie should we watch? Yeah. He, he writes about going to some of the protests with his kids and watching them and wanting to make sure they're okay, but knowing how important it is that they're a part of this. And they're in their late teens. So they want to be part of this right. movement. They want to be able to speak up. And how, and again, different than getting pulled over or being you know, detained. This is a bunch of people in the outside marching with signs. And yet at the same time, definitely could be treating black teens different than white teens as they are moving people over, moving barricades, et cetera. And just how to deal with that as a parent and also what you tell your children. Look, my parents said the same thing to me and I'm a white girl. Be polite, be nice, we'll deal with it later. My parents were both lawyers. Get home, we'll deal with it later. Were they worried I was going to get shot? Not so much. No. Right. But just this is this is authority. They have a badge. Are, do they have a right to treat you a certain way? No. But do we deal with that on the street, especially if you have a drink or two in you? No. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This is the It's Over Easy podcast, All's Fair, with Laura Wasser on iHeartRadio. I'm Laura Wasser, and as I've said before and will continue to say, I believe in access to justice for everyone. We're speaking with Judge Lynn Toler about the state of the world today in America. Judge Lynn, what advice can you share with mothers raising young children today? How do we talk to our children about what is going on in our world right now? I think the most important thing that we ought to do right now is not to be simply reactive. 
you have to have uh, uh, these kinds of conversations and these protests when, I mean, what was really trippy about, about George Floyd was that cat knew he was being taped and that it was so okay with him to kill this guy in front of everybody yes. that, that, you know, if that, when it's not being filmed, all of that is, is standard practice for some cops, well, even, not all cops. Even, it's, it's unbelievable that in Atlanta, just uh, two days ago or three days ago, it happened again on tape. Right. And I you think know? what we miss is the response now is important. But the actions later are even more important, demanding the emotional training for people, because that guy in that situation was thinking about nothing. uh, The the one in Atlanta that just uh, that that just killed Mr. Brooks, Uh, you know, your emotions take over and all your logic leaves, all your learning leaves. And so you have to retrain people emotionally. We also have to discuss with our children, not simply about their rights, but how to accumulate and assess your rights. Do you know who your your prosecutors are? Prosecutors are elected. Your judges in some in some states and not others, they are elected. Nobody knows who's on the bottom of that ticket and nobody pays attention. But until we screw up, but Secretary of State in Georgia, he's in charge of 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 making the voting system right. But he's not answerable because most people don't know his or her name. Do you you, you see where I'm going? It is an everyday obligation to make sure on the local level they hear your voice and that you continue to speak on on the mundane things in order to make the real systemic change. Judge Lynn, you make such a good point, and I, I just want to make sure that people listening know that that's really the most important thing right now is putting pressure on our leaders to make these fundamental changes with the police departments. Right. The whole like racial conversation that we've been having for hundreds of years is going to continue, but the most important matter is that the police need to stop killing black men. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And... Again, trickling down. We need to get out there and vote in November if we want to see a change. And again, that goes all the way down to city and county elected officials, but to the very top as well. It is crazy to me that what is going on in our country is going on, and we have an election in less than six months, and I worry that these same people that are marching are not going to get out there and vote because... They've all got coronavirus. Well, no. <laughs> that is not why. Because it's too, it's too much. This doesn't affect me. It doesn't matter. It's like throwing one piece of trash out the window. One, if everyone throws one piece of trash, we're going to have a shithole on our freeways. Get out there and vote. Do what you can. Everybody does something different. You don't want to march because you're afraid you're going to get coronavirus? Sit home and call your officials. Send an email. Send in $5. Figure right. out a way to make a change. And, and most importantly, keep talking about it, especially with young people. We yeah. need to change the way we are raising our young people in this country to be more inclusive and to be less programmed to think certain things. Again, we may be. You right. grew up in a house with all white folk. That's your people. However, and, and if all you're watching on TV is cops and everyone that they're arresting is black, that's what you're going to think a black per- a criminal looks like. That being said, having the conversations, changing your outlook can actually make you, I love the analogy of the pilots that landed the planes. Those guys can do it, a whole plane of people, and they stay calm and they're talking them through it. We can all do that. We can all do it. And I 
I always make a point of telling this story about voting uh, because people don't believe it matters. Number one, if you pay attention, everybody, since the Supreme Court said the Southern states don't have to have their voting laws examined before they're passed, and they're gerrymandering down there, they are taking away voting places in, in majority black neighborhoods. If voting didn't matter, they wouldn't be doing that. That's number one. Number Amen. two, I ran for judge in 1993. I was 33 years old. Everybody said I had no business winning. I won on election night in a city of 50,000 by one vote. One. One vote. Wow. Now, there were, three, there were three recounts, and I ended up winning by six. But if you don't think your vote counts, the guy that I beat was 35 years older and white. And he wouldn't have gone into the breakout school every year to uh, mentor young girls. He wouldn't have created a chip program to mentor young boys. But I did that because I saw that was in my community. So when anybody walked up to me and said, hey, Lynn, I was that one vote. I said, yes, you were. And thank you very much. And everybody <laughs> is that one vote. And you got to go into the voting booth believing that your vote is going to make the difference. You just got to. Yes, please. I got excited. How, I'm sorry. How, that's okay. No, it's it's exciting. How important it is, is it for you that being on television for all this time in your robe, again, people see a black woman judge. She's a judge. She did it. She doesn't just play one on TV. She's a judge. You did that for a long time. I'm sure there were a myriad of reasons. One of them had to be young black women, little girls in their head when they think judge, they don't just think old white guy or even Judge Judy. They think, oh, Judge Lynn, she's a judge. I could right. grow up and be a judge. Right. That's very important. Right. Earlier this year, you announced you're leaving divorce court after 13 years. What's next? I'm not really, really sure. I had plans pre-COVID uh -huh. that got put on the COVID pause with everybody else. Uh -huh. I, am do I am doing a podcast with Himalaya about uh, relationships and communication because that I, I do enjoy that. Uh, I've written a couple of books. My most recent one was Dear Sonali, Letters to the Daughter I Never Had. I always wanted to have a little girl. I had six dudes in the house, <laughs> and I wanted to I have, have a I have two con. boys. Yeah, I get it. I never get my girl. They I got my friends, everything. girls. Yes. You can't dress them. I've been how, no how about at the, all. How about the smells? Let's talk about oh the smells. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Guess you, neither of you have gay sons because we don't <laughs> smell. We smell like roses. No, well. <laughs> <laughs> Keep telling yourself that, Johnny. <laughs> I also actually want to talk about your book, Making Marriage Work, New Rules for an Old Institution, because that is a very – topical for our show uh, book. Tell us how you guys have been married for so long and how you make it work. Well, I wrote that book two years after I stopped hating my husband. So that was like in year, <laughs> you know, year 20, because year 17, 18, 19, if you wanted him, I would have given him away to any willing woman for a dollar and you might have got some change. I couldn't <laughs> stand him. And what I had to do to take my marriage from the mess that it was in to something else was a process, and I thought I would share that process so other people would have a leg up in doing it. So give us a tip or two. How a do you get over that hump? Number one, learn how to have a conversation. And conversations are harder to have than anybody. And the first thing you need to do when you learn how to have a conversation is to make sure you know what you want. 
People could always often share how they feel, especially when you're in the house with your man. But don't just share how you feel. Sit down and figure out what you want, why you feel that way, and what your partner has to do with that. And then when you approach your partner, don't do so as, as a B-52 bomber. Come in there with an eye towards resolution, not an eye towards he's got to or she's got to or they've got to uh, calm me in the moment. You have to be knowledgeable about what you're doing. And until we learned how to have an intelligent conversation, and a great conversation is one with a lot of pauses in it, we were in trouble. So that's, that's I, one tip. I like when you said, sometimes I'll wait until his stomach is full and he's relaxed. Then I strike. Even then, they can usually resolve issues in a matter of minutes. We raise it, we resolve it. That's a quote. Yes, and, and and that's what it, I I get his mindset to work for me. I get his mood and his face when he's in a place where he's receptive. That's when I come in and I come in. I come in light. Hey, baby, I'm not trying to start nothing, but we need <laughs> to address what happened yesterday. I was a little upset. So here we go. And he knows when I say I'm not trying to start something, I'm about yeah. to say something start negative. Something. Right. Yeah. But. But I'm not trying to have an argument. I'm just asking him for something. And then I define my ask. In other words, I, I make sure I ask him for something specific, not just do better, but right. do this. I love it. Listeners, you know Judge Lynn has presided over some of the most compelling mediations between couples in television history. She's been the one asking the hard questions for more than 13 years. And now it's time to see how you like it, Judge Lynn. Uh -oh. As a judicial officer and an attorney, I know you're familiar with form interrogatories, correct? Indeed I am. So we've adapted this tool of discovery for all's fair. Judge Lynn, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I most certainly do. Which relationship in your life has had the most profound impact? My mother. Tell us My a little bit. My mother was what I call an emotional genius. She was a person that could walk into a room, read the room, and decide what the mood is the room because she had a handle on her own emotions and she taught me to be a better judge. Can I tell you a quick story? Yes. Please. Okay. Uh, I was in court one day. It was during my first year of my judgeship. My mother came in and she was in the gallery just trying to watch, Hey, what's all this education I paid for? What is this woman doing? So I'm in there. I got a domestic violence guy. I gave him what everybody did. Uh, some judges call the acid rain dance. I hollered at him about that. And then I sent him to jail. Mom came back into my chambers afterward and said, let me tell you what you did wrong. She said, that man went to jail thinking about the bitch he hit and that other bitch that sent him to jail. When he gets out, he's going to be madder. What you needed to do was start where he was, talk to him about what was he upset about? Why was that? Was she upset? This it? And then you slowly walk him. Here's why you're going to jail. And next time you're, you meet this, this is what you do. Did I, did I change him? In? No, but I didn't create another problem. And she taught me how to speak to people on the bench by understanding them first and letting them know you understood them. And that way they start to listen as opposed to fight what I say. Mom. Wow. Profound advice. What was the age difference between your parents? I know you said your dad was born in a 19 teen and mom 30s. 1919 and 1930. 30. Okay. So whatever that is. Okay. Okay. Was that first marriage for both of them? First marriage for her, second marriage for him. Okay. Okay. All right. What's your favorite love song? Love Ballad by LTD. And yes, I'm old. <laughs> I love that, though. We've <laughs> I've not heard that uh, song on this show yet. Uh, oh, I love that. 
What is the one piece of advice you'd share with your 20-something-year-old self? Stop worrying about it because all the stuff you worry about didn't happen. Other stuff did, but you didn't worry about the right thing. (laughs) (laughs) And which rom-com, romantic comedy, could you watch over and over again? Best Man. Mm, love, love. love. Judge Lynn, thank you for joining us today and for sharing your judgment and your voice about this seminal moment in our country's history. Please tell people where they can find you online, your books, and also where people can go to support the fight against domestic violence. Give us some handles. Give us some handles. Bloom 365, B-L-O-O-M 365. That is the organization that I belong to and I fight for to, to uproot domestic violence before it starts. Um, my books are all on Amazon and Audible. My latest book is Dear Sonali, Letters to the Daughter I Didn't ha- I Never Had. You can find me at Real Judge Lynn on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you for being with us today. Your wisdom and your unbelievable heart and wit make me so happy. I'm so happy to be able to share this with our All Fair listeners. Be well. Stay healthy and stay wise. You be well as well and have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you so much, Judge Lynn. Thank you. Timing is everything. And now is the time for change. I most heartily agree. And to all of you out there who have an opinion about what you heard today, please click to rate us at Apple Podcasts and tell us what you think. In the name of justice and peace and relationships, thanks for listening. Let's chat again next week. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com.